Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. <clears throat> we just thank you, we just praise you, we just worship you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I commit this time into thy hands, the ministry of the word. I pray, Lord, the anointing of God would rest upon us. All of us. That we receive your instruction. We also hear what you are telling each one of us specifically. It's a message for the whole and there's a message for the individual. And I pray our ears will be open to both. For the word of God is life. It is spirit to those who receive it. Open our ears, Lord. When you rose from the dead, you opened the eyes of your disciples' understanding that they could understand scriptures. Even today, Lord, open our eyes that we can understand your word. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Come in the sound also into thy hands, Lord. I pray it will not give any issues. That we will be able to hear without any distraction, Lord. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. You want to put that speaker off? Connect it to the bass guitar. Maybe that's one of the things giving trouble. It's on. Yeah. Let's turn to a promise which is right above your heads. On the screen, Isaiah 54, verse 2 and 3. Yes, and Peter, if you could turn that towards me, then I don't have to turn around. Yes. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. And your dissonance will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Keep that, okay? That's the big picture. Everything that happens through this year, every message, see in the light of the big picture. We're already 17 days into 2021. Okay? 2021. There are two kinds of people, usually. Those who path, pass through 2021 and those who will persist 2021. But to possess something, you need to have a promise. And God gave us a promise. There are many who passed through 2020. And I believe there are some who possessed 2020. Okay? Don't pass through. Don't pass through. Possess. In Daniel chapter 2 and verse 21, the Bible says about God, He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. It's all in his hands. It is all in his hands. Even times and seasons are determined by God, not by us. It's determined by God. That's why we have to hear. Otherwise, we'll pass through a year without the year passing through us. We'll miss what God had for an ear. 
And 2021 will be like 2020. 2020 could have been like 2019. Momentous times we are living in. The decade has begun. But children of God, their eyes are on God and their ears are listening to what he has to say. So what we do with this ear in so many ways depends upon us. Okay? God sets seasons and times, yet for the child of God has to see time in which we are all caught, time differently. In Ephesians 2, 6, scripture says, <clears throat> we are seated. He has raised up us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places. So we are in one way, unlike the other people in the world, Unlike the unsaved, let's not call them anything else, the saved and the unsaved. The unsaved are caught in time. We are not just caught in time, we are caught in eternity. One part of us, the spirit part of us, is not in time. It's been raised up with him and is seated with him where there is no time. And then, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 tells the other side of us which is on earth. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So at one side says you are in eternity. Don't forget the big picture. See everything that happens in life, even the Tiny little things that happen in your life. Learn to see it through eternity. And yet, be firmly grounded in time. Walk very carefully. Otherwise, you will be seated in heaven and you don't walk carefully. Your mind is, head is up in the clouds, but feet are on earth. Okay? Walk circumspectly, very, very carefully. Not as fools, as wise. Why? Redeeming the time. Time matters only to us. You know, to the unsaved time actually does not matter. Does not matter. If you have rejected Christ Jesus, it doesn't matter what you do with the time here. It will be irrelevant in eternity. You will be stuck in the rut forever. If the fire doesn't go out, the worms don't die. So time really doesn't matter to them. <laughs> and they don't realize it. But to us, time matters because everything that is going to be given to us in eternity will depend upon time here. Okay? So believers look at time completely differently. That's why we are called to redeem our time. Okay? Redeem, like you get a voucher. You redeem the voucher. Right? How do you redeem the voucher? You can't fry it and eat it. You take it to whichever shop it is redeemed and you give it and you get some goods worth of it. You redeem time here, you get the goods there. Okay? That's how you redeem it. You walk carefully, you walk wisely, you utilize time to the maximum in the light of eternity. One day there is redemption. There's a time when you will redeem your time coupons. God will say, 
you used your time post salvation so wisely well done my good and faithful servant take charge eternity eternity okay so be very careful with time so though we are seated in the spiritual realm in eternity therefore we walk wisely in the temporary very wisely circumspectly redeeming the time because we know days are evil and what do evil deeds do first and foremost they steal your time steal your time they cause you to waste your time in things and activities which will have no relevance in eternity so be very very careful very very careful and what we don't realize is even as i am speaking time is moving and what does it mean it means eternity is getting closer and closer and closer the twinkling of an eye boom time and eternity will meet and time will be lost in eternity i want kjv i didn't give it to you or maybe i gave it uh, it's revelation 10:6 kjv puts it beautifully revelation 10 and verse 6 Yeah, we're six if I'm right. And swear by him that liveth forever and ever. That's eternity. Who created heaven and the things that are in and the earth and the things that are in and the sea and the things which are therein that there should be time no longer. Okay. context meaning is a little different but if you look at it the literal meaning there is no time the time is coming when time and eternity will meet and there is no time after that there is no time so time is one of the greatest blessings god has given man we are given time so value time okay and when it meets please remember we have to learn how to walk by faith and utilize sight walk by faith and utilize sight otherwise we'll be like that rich man whom god called you fool you fool don't you know this day your time is up and you got nothing to show on the other side you got nothing to show on the other side not even salvation <laughs> nothing you fool wasted your entire life yet he had acquired much god is not saying acquiring much is wrong but if you do not factor god in that's what is indictment you did not factor god in anything that you did you missed the big picture he said you were rich in everything but you were not rich towards god the way you spent your time you didn't factor god in the way you did your stuff you did not factor god god did not come into the picture the big picture is god and you missed the big picture and you amassed so many things and now it is day of reckoning and you have wasted your time so rules for uncrowned kings and queens princes and princesses you don't have a crown you have a coronet 
We turn to the book of Ecclesiastic, chapter 3, verses 3 and 5. This is wisdom from a man who wasted time. Okay. So you can, the wisest man who wasted so much time and wisdom and resources, everything that God gave him, he actually wasted it all. Okay. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. So God is saying, there are times and seasons. You cannot enter into a season unless you are willing to let go of the previous season. Winter is finishing. Summer is coming. If you are not willing to let go of your winter clothes, you're going to sweat in summer. You have to let go. Soon, very soon, all Hyderabadis will wash, dry clean all their winter clothes, put mothballs in and put it away. You know, it's a long wait for the next winter. Season is over. But in life, people don't live like that. People try to merge seasons. And you know what? You neither enjoy this, nor you move into this. There are seasons in life. A child is a child. Youth is a youth. Man is a man. Middle age is middle age. Old age is old age. You have to transit. Don't try to act like a young man when you are in your 50s. People do that. Dye their hair black and wear it cool. Try to act very cool. But you are not cool. You are a fool. You did not transit. You did not transit. You're missing your season. What happens is, there is this season, there is something which God wants you to do. But you're not doing that because you're still reliving something which is over. There's a time set by people. In the same way, like we told on last week, there are certain things which you can only do when you are young. There are certain things you should never do when you are young. Which is not meant for this time. It's meant for another season. Do you know what young people do? They get into things which should be never done now and they mess up all their seasons. All their seasons. So there are seasons. There are seasons. And God is saying, be careful about seasons. Let go. Let go. And move to the next season. In Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19, it's a promise which will only happen if you are willing to let go. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The thing is, this is God's perspective. It's not earth perspective. This is God's perspective. So unless one part of you is seated with God, when this happens, you neither see river nor do you see blooming. That's his perspective. It will happen, but you have to go through this. It's heaven's perspective. You have to be willing to shift seasons, move to the next season. So remember you are a child of God. You are running, you and I are running a different race. We have a call. and We have a purpose. And we cannot run like others. Cannot run like others. In the old days, in concentration camps and all, I don't know whether they do it now. What happens is, what they do, used to do is, the prisoners are gathered, they are taken to a part of the camp, and they're made to dig. 
And all the mud is gathered in sandbags and they are told to take it to another corner of the prison or outside and dump it there and come back. For six months they do it and they dig a huge hole. And no, the prisoners do it because inside in their mind there is this feeling, I'm doing something, there's some purpose behind this. And six months later, the order comes, take the mud in the thing and fill the hole. And you know, a lot of, pe- lot of people give up. You know why? Because they realize they're working without purpose. They're working without purpose. Don't be like the world. We are people with a purpose. We are running for a race which is eternal. Eternal. People in the world will run and after that what? What happens? They may get a earthly crown and after that what happens? The purpose is limited by time. Our purpose is not limited by time. It can be only limited by our unbelief. So God says transit seasons because in every season there are things to be done and things to be learned. But you need to move. Keep moving. Every year has its own promise. And the promise may mean different things to different people. And if you are not willing to move from one season to another, if you are a child of God and you have the God call of God upon your life, if you don't move, he will push you. He will strip you of one season and move you to the other season. Jacob had 12 sons. But in that age, in that family, only one son knew God. Only one son honored the God of his father. Therefore, he had a purpose which the others did not have. So what looked like tragedy was actually God's purpose. He stripped him of one season and sold him as a slave. While all the others were having a gala time in their father's house, thinking, wow, we are having the time of their life. They did not even realize God had no purpose for them. God would have purpose for the tribes which would come through them, but God did not use any one of them for anything. You know why? Because they were living a purposeless existence. So every season was the same to them. Not for Joseph. Joseph's lives had different seasons because he was a man with God's purpose in his life. So it is not his brother sold him. It is his heavenly father moved him. Psalm 105 verse 17. It says, he sent a man before them. Who? God sent a man. Hands he used? His brothers sold as a slave. What was he moving him? Moving him from one season to another season. If you are a man or a woman of purpose and you have surrendered your life and you tell every day to Lord, here I am. Lord, here I am. Keep moving me, Lord. According to your time and your season, let me not miss any season. He will move you. He will move you. He will not leave you just like that. He will move you. Joseph's season in Canaan, in his father's house, was over. He would never go back to Canaan. The next time he would visit Canaan would be to bury his old father. He would never dwell in Canaan again. That season was over. And he moved with that season. Moved with that season. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13, Paul will say, oh, sorry, 18, 18, not 3, yeah. 3.13? Yeah, it's 3.13, forgetting, not 8, yeah. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. 
You have to forget those things. You can have photographs once in a while, look and put it on your status also. It is okay. But don't live there. Don't live there. The problem is your status becomes your life. You are living in the past. Don't live in the past. It is good. Joseph must have thought about his days in his father's house, but it did not stop him from moving forward. Guaranteed, if you drive looking in your rear view mirror, you will have an accident. Third question. And you may get beaten up also after that. In Hyderabad. Okay. You have to move on. You have to move on. Don't look. Remember, new things are scary. New things are scary. We are used to being very comfortable. You look at any child, any little one. You give them toys. They will play the like new toys and new toys and new toys. When they go to sleep, they will take that old raggedy bunny. One ear is coming off, one eye is missing. And they will hold it and go to sleep. Give them a new toy, they will throw it up. They don't want that when they go to sleep. Because we find comfort. But God did not call us to live in the zone called comfort zone. He says, I will push you. I will push you. I will move you. I will move you. So don't be scared. Because there's something we never have to be scared. Is that God said, when I move you, I don't send you alone. I'm with you. I'm with you. And I will be with you all the way. So be willing to move. Be willing to move. Let your ears be open. Eyes be open to what God is doing. God is doing. He will, he will strip that old season off completely and be willing to move. I was telling the other day about Alexander Solshin. He was a prisoner of conscience in the uh, concentration camp of during Soviet Russia. And he was there for years and years and years and years. And he said, a time had come, he had given up. He just wanted to kill himself. He wanted to commit suicide. The problem is he was a believer. So he knows you cannot kill yourself. So he came up with an idea. Guards are always around. You can never escape from this place. And if you escape, they will shoot you dead. So he thought, this is what I will do. Tomorrow, at this time, I will try to escape. Then they will shoot me dead. So I am dead and I did not commit suicide. Okay. Brilliant idea, right? How desperate he is. Given up. Desperate. And he says that they get little breaks, short breaks to get their strength so that they will work. The, the rules of that concentration camp is this. No one can talk to anybody through the day, through the week, through the month, through the year. Nobody can talk to anybody. And you have to work from morning till night. And eat meager rations. Okay. That's why you go depressed, discouraged, suicidal. And the point had come, had he had planned, and they had given those two minute or three minute break, he sat down and the guards were around. And he was getting ready to get up and run. And he would be shot and he would be dead. The moment he was getting ready to run, another prisoner came and stood before him. And wrote with a stick on the ground. He looked at it and he saw it was a cross. He just made a cross before him and walked away. And he knew God was telling him, don't die. Three days later, he was free. 
because the whole world his story had gone and there was so much pressure being put on Soviet Union to release him and he was released 3 days later and he said it is just god who was changing my season and i did not know i would have killed myself the same thing happened to david when everyone gave up and everyone picked up stones to stone him he hung in there he couldn't understand anything lord what is happening from the day you anointed me i've been running for my life the king is after me now the philistines are after me nobody wants me my soldiers don't want me and he encouraged himself in the lord he heard from the lord he pursued by the end of the next day he had recovered everything he had lost two days later saul is also dead 72 hours time he is the new king you know what he was almost ready to give up without realizing god was changing his season changing his season be careful be careful listen carefully to the lord watch carefully don't have this hangover about the past it's over nobody can live in the past if you are living in the past you are a dead person because the past is dead you are living consuming air consuming resources producing nothing because you are living in the past move on move on lot of people have wasted their time it's the most precious thing god has given us in this life the most precious thing is time you know why everything else you can kind of regain you lose money you can make money you lose health you can get it back you fall sick you can get well almost everything once you lose time it's gone can never get time back and it's something which you experience only in this life the coming life there is no time second rule for those who are stretching don't ever compare your season with another person it will create unhappiness discontentment jealousy reason two people could be sitting side by side but two people at two different seasons of life in god's eyes okay you getting the picture at the age of 37 38 um 37 38 39 joseph is prince of egypt and his brothers are all there before him you know what their brothers are in god's sight children and what is he a father they are living in two different seasons two different seasons so two people may be sitting together maybe of the same age but maybe in two seasons because of how they use their time how they utilize their time how they heard from god and obeyed god and walked with god so they have moved ahead while you will be lagging behind you know i wish don't wish we just need a backbone we don't need wish bones wish bones don't take you anywhere backbones do don't what it will do it will cause envy it will cause discontentment it will cause stagnation imagine joseph sold on the slave block and he comes and he says i wish i wish i wish i was with my brothers they must be eating nicely oh kosher food i wonder what is cooked for ruben today i wonder what levi is eating today benjamin i miss him so much 
You would be living in wishful land. And you wouldn't have ever moved forward. I wish. No? You must be thinking, oh, they are all having such a good time. Look at me. Look at me. But do you know something? Reuben and Simeon and Levi and Judah are going nowhere. They're having a good time, but they're going nowhere. And Joseph, you're going somewhere. So don't compare. Don't compare. Do you know why Joseph got stripped you from them? Because they are going nowhere. And put you in a different situation altogether because you are going somewhere. So never compare another man's season with yours or another sister's season with yours. It will create discontentment. It will create envy. That's what happened. God was moving David from one season to another season. King Saul from one season to another season. He couldn't see it. He looked at him as a competitor. And envy ate his heart. He didn't look at him as somebody I should mentor. That's what he should have been. You know what? My season is changing. His season is coming. And God supernaturally has brought him to my eyes so that I can mentor him. He's a champion. My son, Jonathan, who should be the next king, has already accepted him as the king. He has taken the robe. He has taken the girdle. He has accepted him as the next one. He's the one who should be upset, not me. But he has acknowledged him and is knit with him in one soul. Season is changed. He didn't accept that season in his life. The people love him. The soldiers love him. My daughter loves him. Everything had been planned out by God. You know why he didn't move into season? Because envy got him. And he destroyed himself. Otherwise, God was, when God said, I will take the kingdom from you, that doesn't mean he was going to kill him and throw him out or anything like that. You sit in the throne, mentor the next one. Your season has changed. Accept it gracefully. When you know your season has changed, you have to accept it gratefully. Envy shouldn't come in. You should be like David. You shall not build the house. The one who comes after you shall build the house. Immediately accept the season. He said, you know what I shall I do? I cannot build. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do everything possible to help him to build. That's what Saul should have done. That's what Saul should have done. He didn't do it. You know why? Because he went into the disease called comparison. He compared his season with another man's season. Don't. You will get Unhappy. You will bring much misery into your life. Because each one of us is running our own life. We may look at others and learn lessons from their races and how they are running, but we don't compare ourselves. Because what happened is that if you compare your season with another man's, you may be, they may be at two different seasons. In First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 and 8, What does the Bible say? Now, godliness with contentment is a great thing. For we brought nothing into this world. It is certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. You cannot be content without godliness. It's a spiritual truth. If you are not pursuing godliness, you will never be content. It doesn't matter how much you have. 
you will never be content without godliness because God has put eternity in our hearts. That can be fixed only by God. So when God comes over there, then you are content. But if God does not come over there, you will be trying to fix that hole with everything in the world. But the problem is everything in the world has a time limit and the hole is eternity. You cannot take something from time and fix it into eternity. It simply will not fit. So you cannot be content without godliness. But if you are godly, you can be content. We brought nothing, we take nothing. If you have food and clothing, you shall be. For 13 years, that's all Joseph had. Just enough food to eat and clothes on his back. He was a prisoner and a slave and he earned nothing. That's all he had. But he was the most content man in the world. You know why? Because he did not compare his season with somebody else's. He did not compare. So the first lesson is what? Before you can enter into the next season, allow God to take strip you of the previous season. Enjoy the season you are in and when you move to the next one, like a child should be a child. The little ones over there. Don't try to push them into youth before their time. It's a season God has. Jesus also grew God did not, he was burst in Mary's womb, delivered and he didn't shoot to ministry. No, he grew. You have to be very careful. Children are children. Youth are youth. There are certain things you should do in that. Let them play as much as they want. They should enjoy their times. Because those times will never come back. Those times will not come back. When you are young, there should be so much activity in your life. Okay, activity in your life. Whatever you do, like, do, enjoy it. Because those days will never come back. And all of you, when you reminisces, everybody will say, school days were the best. When you were school, you wanted to go to college, thinking that was the best. But now at life, you come back and you look, you know what? School was the best, not college. You know why? Because you were innocent of evil. Therefore, you enjoyed life the most. So children are young. They are innocent. Let them enjoy. Not the things of the world. Enjoy activity. Don't push them into the things before their time. You will actually short circuit their growth. They have to grow the way God has ordered. Even for his own son, he ordained that path. Ordained that path. Remember. okay? So don't, little ones, don't envy the old ones. And old ones don't envy the young ones. We are in different seasons. Different seasons. Okay? Like you had the questions yesterday. When will we learn to preach like you? When will we learn to pray like you? Season will come. And you should not preach like me or pray like me or preach like Pastor Vijay or nothing. You shouldn't. You should preach like you. Okay? Because if you preach like me, you're just a clone. Though imitation is the best form of flattery, God is not flatter. You can be inspired by somebody else. Don't imitate. You can imitate his godliness. Don't imitate his habits and his mannerisms and all. I remember one of the greatest evangelists India produced was somebody called D.G.S. Dinagaran from Chennai. So many girls after him. They all talk like him. They all walk like him. You have to see them. 
so many. You know, Dinagran has his own um, peculiarism, the way he blinks, the way he sings. And everybody started singing like him. See, Dinagaran's song was different. We enjoyed it because he was singing it. But somebody else tried to sing like him. He couldn't sing. You also can't sing. But we accepted his singing because who he was. Now you are trying to sing like him. We won't accept you. You never try to be yourself. You try to be somebody else. Don't imitate. Okay? Don't try to be somebody else. God made you absolutely different. That's why there are no two matching fingerprints in heaven or your iris. No two. So don't try to be somebody somebody else. Okay? Don't try to be somebody else. So please, third rule. Be careful you do not miss your season. Seasons come and seasons go. Be very, very careful you don't miss your season. I made this statement. The opportunity of a lifetime is only good for the lifetime of that opportunity. Every opportunity has an expiry date. Expiry date. Okay, every opportunity has an expiry date. The only one who can change the expiry date is God. Nobody else can change the expiry date. God is the only one. That we'll say about that later. God is the only one who can extend the expiry date. You know, if you have a coupon and the expiry date has gone, if you go back to the company, they can extend it for you. They can. You can't. They can extend I've done it. They can do it. If you go back to the one who issued this thing saying, I didn't use it, okay, so you are a valued customer, so we'll extend it for one more year. They can do it. You can't. So if God thinks you're a valued customer, Keep extending expiry date. But be very wise. Be very wise. Don't miss your season. Numbers 14 verses 1 to 3 and then 22 to 23. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept that night and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt or if we only had died in this wilderness, Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? They didn't believe. They didn't seize that opportunity. God said, that is the land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the evidence. Two guys to carry a bunch of grapes. It's a beautiful land. Yes, there are enemies there, but I've given it to you. You will win. They said, we will not win. What happened? 23-24. Because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness have put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. Time gone. Over. God said, sealed. I'm not changing my mind. They missed their season. They missed their season. They failed to seize their moment and said, we will go. God said, I've given it to you. They said, we can't. They cried and cried and cried and cried and cried. Sometimes we cry the whole night and God is so mad at us. We think we moved God's heart. He said, yeah, I did. You did move my heart in the wrong way. The more I see you, I am so determined you will not enter into the next season. Because your cries are cries that mess up my glory. You're questioning me. I did all these things for you in Egypt, everything in the wilderness, and ten times you have rebelled against you. And we don't even realize God is counting. 
That's where the book of Numbers is there. He counts. And they say, time up. Next day morning, verse 39 to 45. Okay. 39 to 45. Then Moses told these words to all the children of Israel. The people mourned greatly. They rose early in the morning, went up to the top of the mountain saying, here we are. We will go up to the place where the Lord has promised for we have sinned. And Moses said, now why do you transgress the command of the Lord? For this will not succeed. Do not go up lest you be defeated by your enemies for the Lord is not among you. He's saying, now don't try. Time is up. Time is up. Now you go you will be defeated. There was a season. Don't. You know what they went? They got beaten so soundly by the Canaanites. What happened? They tried to seize the moment after it was passed. So be careful. Certain seasons only come once in a lifetime. They don't always repeat. That's why we have to be very, very careful. All that's why I always tell the young ones sitting over here, you want to learn driving, learn now. Don't wait like me. You will have a license and not drive. You want to play guitar, learn now. You want to learn a keyboard, learn now. Because now you are young, your fingers are flexible, your brain is kind of empty, mostly. You can learn new skills. You may think I shall ask you some questions. Basic questions about biology, physics, chemistry, and math. At class, school level, I can ask you, and you will realize you do not know. Okay? So this is the time you can learn lots of things. This season will not come back. And then a season will come and you will say, I wish, I wish I had learned. Let us say God has moved you from here to some other place, maybe to US or something or any country. You don't have to go to US. It's a terrible place to go to. Stay in India. Okay. You are in another city and you're in a church and it's, you are active in the church and one thing that is needed is a guitarist. And you know, that is one thing I was told, learn, 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 but you cannot play. Now you are trying. Now there's no question. He said, fingers. <laughs> because, <laughs> because time has passed by. Huh? Time has passed by. That's why sportsmen retire. You know why? The brain is sharp, but hands don't function. Hands don't function. The brain is sharp. Mind is good. But the problem is, uh, spirit is willing. Body is, you know? So in, in in Sachin's mind, he's still scoring double centuries and centuries. But the problem is, if he goes out, he'll get out in the first ball. Coordination is gone. Okay, So there are things which you should do now. Should do now. Be smart like Joseph. Every season, he gave it his best. Best. And if you look at the seasons, shepherd, father's house, slave in Potiphar's house, prisoner, in the dungeon. But in every season, he looked to see what I do, what I learned, what I learned. Because he did not waste his time. He did not miss his season. Okay? So certain seasons never come. So don't try to go once the season is over. Be very, very careful seasons. Don't very, be careful. First Samuel 27 verse 1. Oh, First Chronicles 27. 
uh, yeah, 27 verse 1. Now I shall perish someday in the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape to the land of... You know what happened? He was missing his season. How can you How can you be killed? How can you be killed? Did you die so far? Have you always been one step ahead of the king? Yes. Hasn't God anointed you? How can you be killed? You, the champion of Israel against the Philistines, why are you going to the Philistines camp for protection? You know what happened? Because he made that move, because he missed God's season, he went into the Philistine territory. He lived there for 16 months, so it will take him seven years before the rest of the tribes of Israel will accept him as king, because they don't trust him. Only Judah will come across. You know why? Because he's part of that tribe. The other tribes don't trust him because they know this guy was in the Philistine camp and he had fought, was with the Philistines with whom they were fighting. You lost the trust of your own people because you missed your season. How long will it take you to gather? Are you king? Yes. Where? Hebron. Have you moved to Jerusalem? No. Has all of Israel accepted you? No. What's the reason? Because you missed your season. It may cost you. Even David, it cost him. I'm not saying God cannot restore you, but it will cost you. So you have to be very aware. That's what the Bible is talking about. Be aware of time, aware of seasons. Don't miss your seasons. Miss your seasons. First, miss the season. It happened in the spring of the year at the time kings go out to battle. Job led, down, led out the armed forces, ravaged the country of the people of Ammon and came and besieged Rabbah. But... David stayed, meaning he missed his season. He should have gone to war. Because he missed that season, he will bring havoc into his family. Havoc. Because he missed his season. Havoc into his family. The destruction he brought into his home because he missed his season. Another. Second Samuel 21, 15 to 17. <clears throat> now the Philistines were at war Again with Israel. David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines and David grew faint. Then Ishibonob, who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. But Abishai, the son of Jeruiah, came to his aid, struck the Philistine, killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamb of Israel. You know what they're saying? God is telling David through them, your season is over. You will not lead the soldiers to battle anymore. This is, your time is up. Now you will be a light and an inspiration to Israel and not the leader. Others will lead to battle. You stay and encourage them. So there are seasons you have to move. You cannot be there in the forefront. You have to move to the back and allow others to lead. Others to lead. Otherwise, what will happen? You will be destroyed. You will be destroyed. His time was up. To lead, he's still the king, he's still the head, but it is not his to lead the soldiers anymore. You have to make way and be the inspiration to the next set of leaders who will lead. So you have to understand your seasons. And when the seasons come, you have to move with the seasons. Understood? That's what is happening. And we are pushing people into new seasons in life. Otherwise, you will always sit there and never move into God's appointed seasons. You will never even recognize the gifts that are in you. 
Either you will know you have it or you don't have it. So it's good to know you don't have it if you don't have it. It's good to know that you have it. Third one, or the fourth one, Acts 13, verse 36. David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers, and so corruption. David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God. Because the judge who judges seasons and times, who is God, also happens to be our father, the comforting part, our father. You can miss a season, but if you repent genuinely and work hard with your whole heart, give it everything to God, God can still restore and you can still finish your race as an overcomer because the judge is your father. He's not sitting there and judging results. He's there because he wants you to finish the race. So you can miss a season like David missed a few seasons, but he finished well. He fulfilled God's purpose in his own generation. So one of the things is that if you have missed a season, don't uh, go on a pity party. Don't preside on your own funeral. Don't be your own undertaker. Okay. Forget Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. We saw that earlier. Forgetting those things which are behind. What are the things behind? Terrible. This man who is talking. Terrible things in the behind. I missed it. I goofed it. I went against the Lord. I went against his people. I went against his church. I am the one. He says, I forgot it. And you know what? I wish I had heard, listened early. And all the others are so far ahead of me. When will I catch up? He didn't look at any of those things. He was willing to be moved to the next season. He did not compare himself with any of the apostles. If he compared, he said, I am the least. That's the only comparison. But he who missed the seasons ran so fast, he overtook everybody. Okay. So God is saying, don't go on a pity party. Don't go on a pity party. God is there with you. The grace of God is the power that all that you need. Overtake. And you can recover it all. You can recover it. Why? God is with you. Not only God is with you. God is for you in this race. He's not against you. He's for you. You got the wind behind your back. The wind is not against you. The wind is behind your back. If your eye is straight and you come back full wholehearted back with God and you say, Lord, I want to run this race for you. I want my crown. I want to bring joy to your heart. I want to finish my purpose. God says, I am with you. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about the others. You run your race and you will finish. In the book of Joel, a very comforting chapter 2, verse 25 and 26. So I will restore to you the ears the swarming locusts have eaten, the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts and the chewing locusts. By the time these four locusts are gone, there's nothing left in the ground. Everything has been stripped. The locusts have taken. And what is the God talking about? He's talking about the ears. The years of bareness. Remember our promise? Years of desolation. Life. Barren. Lord, I did nothing for you. I produced nothing for you. All I produced were thorns and thistles. I am barren. I am desolate. But I will sing. I will rejoice. Why? Because I have a promise to stand on. You said stretch. You said enlarge. You know, Lord, I'm going to forget those years. 
And I'm going to run 2021 like I've never run in my life. Because I know you're with me. You are for me. You shall eat plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. Just don't worry. It's a very comforting words. Because you need to realize God is your father. He's our father. And as a father, he wants all his children to do well. Everyone to do well. It's not just one. He's not a father like Jacob who will give a coat to only one son. He's a father who wants to give coats to every son and every daughter. Crown everyone. Please remember that. Next one. Fifth one. You look at seasons and times. Remember this one, okay? You can miss a season or two. But if you come back to God with all your heart, like David did, he came back to God with all his heart, all his might, all his strength, and he finished his race. Fifth one. Sometimes seasons can be absolute opposites. Polar opposites. It's not like in the U.S., Winter to spring, spring to summer. Their summer is our winter, okay? Summer and then summer to autumn. Like Hyderabad. Winter to extreme heat. Minimum 14, maximum 31. Hmm? Soon it will be 40. Be prepared. Seasons, sometimes seasons can be polar opposites. The change can be harsh, harsh winter to blazing summer. Ecclesiastic 3, 4 and 3, 7. A time to weep and a time to, these are opposites. Time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to, these are not normal. These are opposites. And be prepared for it. Please cooperate with God. Don't fight him. Bend to the wind. Don't resist the wind. The wind blows whichever way he pleases. When God talked about the Holy Spirit, Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit to Nicodemus. The wind blows whichever way he ends. The only thing you can do with the wind, if you don't want to be broken, is bend. You resist, it will break you. Or it will pass you by. It will pass you by. Either it will pass you by, or it will break you down. But bend to the wind. So seasons may be suddenly drastic in your life. Bend to it. Acts chapter 26 and verse 14. When we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. What are the goats? The pointer thing they use to move. The oxen forward. He says, don't kick against it. The very purpose of this God is to push you forward. Don't fight it. Don't fight. Don't fight. Okay. Don't fight. It can be drastic. It can be drastic. Just fall into it. Fall in place with it. It is like a civilian young man who passes all the tests, signs the paper, and is recruited in the army, and the day he joins. He realized the advertisement was false. There's no glory in the sky for the first few years. Nothing. Get used to it. Fit in. Bend with it. 
Joseph one day, favorite son, next day, slave on the block. One day, chief steward of the household, next day, prisoner in the dungeon. But if you know you are right with God, and if you know God's hand is upon your life, move with it. Don't fight it. Move with it. Move with it. Don't fight it. Be very, very clear. That's why we need to know God. Know God's seasons. Know God's timings. And know this is from God. I'm not going to fight it. It can be like drastic. Drastic. Cat's whiskers. Living at home. That is the principle. Open the school, open the house front door. School is nearer than that front gate. Run in, run out, run in, run out. Home to school, home to school. When your parents are at school, you run in. Why? Because there is condensed milk. You know, condensed milk, milkmaid. The school is here, home is here. You run in and run out. Everything is yours because no other children in the house. You are the only child. Everybody is in boarding and everything. And one day, your father decides, time up. You're picked like a chicken, brought 3,000 kilometers here, dropped in your grandfather's house. Two days later, they are gone. Airdropped. And gone. Not airdropped, raindrop. You know what? This 12-year-old boy who had no clue what life was like, has to catch. Walk first, three kilometers or four kilometers, catch a transport bus, get down at a stop, walk another two kilometers, go to a school where his father is not principal. Every day of his life, for the next seven years. Living with two old people, who you really don't even know. They are grandparents, but you don't know them, and they don't know you. And they're old. It was like, the shift was like from harsh winter to blazing summer. From the mountains, the most beautiful land on planet earth. And this land also was nice. But hot and humid. Where you never sweated, you have to sweat it out every day. Where you, every day you played football, you come here, you find a game which you never knew existed called cricket. I didn't know a game called cricket until I reached school in India. We found madmen running after a small ball. There are madmen running after a big ball. One was black and white. This was red. This was not even red because those things, bats were not there. We made our own bats. We made our own balls. And we played. It was drastic. The same way, moving from there to the city was... Another drastic change. And then one day at the age of 22 or 23, I decided I'm going to work. And I applied. I got, and as a young man, early 20s, there I am, standing in biting cold. It was minus two or minus three with my bed holder on one shoulder, my suitcase on one shoulder, standing at the bus stop in Thimpu, Bhutan. Next day is my interview. It was always drastic change, but you bent in with the system and you learned on the way. You can handle a lot of things on your own. A kid who never did anything in your life ever had to learn everything. Open your tap, 
water comes mother is there washes your clothes food is served you can have everything you have to draw water you have to wash your own clothes you have to iron your own clothes not electric you have to heat burn the shell of the coconut you iron it on saturdays because you cannot go with iron 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 clothes to school the principal will catch you first thing everything changed but you learned on the way you know what i still do the things which i learned those days i still iron my shirt this morning i learned when i was 12 13 i still wash my clothes yesterday you know when i learned I learned when i was young of course now you have a washing machine those days you had hands you learned on the way and you realize it all works it didn't it didn't kill you people think work kills you no not working kills you <laughs> people die of not working joseph did not die neither as a slave nor as a prisoner he was being prepared for a crown while his brothers who did not work almost died in the famine if joseph had not helped them out another lesson you have to learn seasons may be polar opposite terrible give it your best in every season so the bible says whatever you lay your hands on do it with all your strength all your strength don't only give your best when the conditions are favorable in my father's house i got this coat with many colors you know what i will do everything well because my father loves me so much and every day i got a tap pat on my back no when you are a slave nobody's patting on your back you will actually get a kick on the rear end if you don't work you may be flogged you may miss your food you may be thrown into a dungeon you're not going to get any commendation or a salary at the end of the day's work but you know what he gave his best in isaiah chapter 54 and verse 2 enlarge the place of your tent let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings but look at this do not spare do not spare any effort give it your best give it whatever it is doesn't matter whatever it is give it your best that's what we looked at last week the extra mile don't be the one mile man those are all legalists legalists don't get crowns in heaven only people of grace does and grace people work harder than legalists because they know who their boss is they know who their father is and they really believe the earth and the fullness belongs to god so even if i'm working under a gentile master it's my father who profits ultimately he will take everything and give it to the meek so i am looking in long term investment not short term and joseph gave his best he did not spare any effort wherever he was when he was at his father's house he was willing to go the extra mile to serve his father and his brothers when he was at potiphar's palace he was willing to go the extra mile to serve god and to his master when he was in prison he was willing to go the extra mile to serve god and his fellow prisoners look at genesis 41 46 to 49 when we don't want to serve anybody you are innocent you have been falsely accused you have been thrown with chains and fetters thrown into the dungeon this is what happens oh after that yeah this is um at the end of it when he becomes prince 
Okay. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before the Pharaoh king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of the Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. Do you think it's easier traveling those years? 4,000 years ago? 4,000 years ago? He could have sent people. He said, no, I've been given a duty, responsibility. I'm going to give it my best. He went the entire nation he traveled. He did statistics. He did analyze the whole situation. Now in the seven plentiful years, the ground brought out abundantly. So he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt, laid up the food in the cities. He laid up in every city food of the fields which surrounded them. Joseph gathered very much grain as a sea of sand of the sea until he stopped counting for it was immeasurable. Do you know what? He's giving it his best for those seven years. Then when the time of famine comes, he has plenty to give it to the whole world. There is a time when God says, you have to gather. Give your best and gather. When the hour of famine comes, you will be able to be a blessing to others. You gather your talents. You be the best you can be in whatever you are doing. And God is watching. God is watching. And this was the man. He did not spare any effort at any point in his life. He could have gone till she came and gone back and saying, Daddy, the brothers are in there. He asked, where are they? They are Dothan. Another 20 miles. And he went another 20 miles. He did not spare any effort. We give up so fast. We give up so fast. We say, okay, now it's time to retire. I've reached 55. No. Who retires from God's service? Nobody does. God doesn't retire. His son doesn't retire. Jesus comes and says, my father and I are at work from the beginning till now. We are still working. What are you doing? Cleaning up your mess. So they're still working. And they spare no effort. The father and the son spares no effort in saving us. The Bible says he is forever making intercession for these saints who will save to the uttermost. Meaning the way Jesus prays now is nothing compared to what he prayed on earth. His, His prayer life is different now because he's sparing no effort to save us. So how much effort should we spare? You see, God could stretch Joseph in every season of his life. Can he? Can he stretch us? Can he stretch us? Think about it. Seriously think about it. Mothers, think about it. How many of you have learned to cook new things last year? New things. I know. I'm not talking about how many of you shopped for new clothes last year. That you will stretch. Stretch and stretch and stretch. And when you stretch, your husband's wallet gets stressed and stressed. No, it doesn't. It contracts and it contracts and it contracts while you are stretching and stretching and stretching. I'm not talking about that stretching. Anything that you do. Think about one thing you do. Did you try to stretch it? Cooking, baking, stitching, knitting. I'm not talking about any particular trade. Any trade. Any trade. Any trade. And I used to teach 30, 35 in the 1980s. When I used to teach, I would see my students, my girls, staring at me like this and the hands would be under the desk. Then I know, what are you doing? 
No, nothing, sir. He said, take your hands out without letting go out. And you know what they are doing? They are listening to the class and they are busy knitting. Because winter is coming. And they are so good. Fast, fast, fast. And then at the beginning of the winter, they will come, sir. I knitted for you also one cap, one pair of gloves, and a pair of socks. They are knitting there. Sparing no effort. I said, if you spare no effort in your textbook also, you will be really good. And this is the age of multitasking. Do we spare any effort? How many things we can do at the same time? No. That's what God is talking about. Remember, time, seasons. Next one. Numbers 21 verse 5. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought up us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness. For there is no food, no water. And our soul loathes this worthless bread. What is that? Lit. Now don't say wah-wah and all. Because we know scripture. We understand the spiritual depth of manna and all that. But if we were among them, we also would say, I'm tired. Why don't you get some biryani? We ate so much biryani in the Hyderabad, which is in Egypt. <laughs> and I'm tired of this. Right? Yeah? We also would have said that. Now we have to be a such spiritually, we have the big spiritual heads and we'll say, oh wow, how could they say it? We all said it. Right? We loathe. But what did they loathe? Meaning, don't despise small things. When you're going through different seasons of life, observe very carefully. Because sometimes our breakthroughs lie in small things. This is where it started. They despised manna. And from there they started despising everything else. Manna was very small. It was just as small as a snowflake. Small little thing. They despised it. And we do. In seasons what happens, we despise little things. Little things. Little instructions. We despise. Little things. Little people. We despise in the season. Look at look at Naman. Naman is a the great man of Syria, great, mighty, everything, but he's a leper. And that's a little girl. A little girl, a small person, a slave girl, caught in one of the raids. And she says, in Samaria, there is a prophet. Now, will this man listen to that little one? The question is that. If he doesn't, she doesn't listen, he doesn't listen to her, he will continue in this season and die as a leper. But if he listens to her, his season will change. Season will change. And that's where our ears and our eyes have to be very, very careful. Our problem is we always look for big people during seasons to say, where is my breakthrough coming from? Must be from that big man, that big woman. God says, no, it's something very small. Something very, very small. Very small. Be particular about these small, small things. Don't overlook it. Let's, let us call him Let's give him his name, Timothy. Now, Timothy was, father was Greek. So let us call him Joseph. Let's name him Joseph. A little boy called Joseph. He was running out. Running out, his mother called, Joseph, where are you going? No, I'm going with the crowd. Where are the crowd going? They're going with a rabbi called Jesus. Joseph, come back. Come back, Joseph. It may take time. So do one thing. Here, take care. Quickly, the mother makes five rotis, puts two fish, packs it and says, Joseph, take it. If the mother hadn't done that, you wouldn't have the miracle of those five feeding of the 5,000. 
one mother, one mother alone. It's a very small thing. Very small thing. Therefore, we have in four Gospels the parable of the feeding of 5,000. One mother did something. It's a very small thing. And people don't realize in those small things lies a miracle. Small things lies a miracle. And you go through the Bible. It's full of small people and small things. You despise small things. Until cricket came and the Ganguly came, nobody thought big about left-handers. Left-handers are all became great only when cricket left-handers because every bowler was right-handed bowler. He didn't know how to bowl to a left-hander. That's how they excelled. But till then, left-handers were never considered. But there was a guy who redeemed Israel because he was a left-hander. Yehud brought deliverance because so something the Philistines despise. Oh, lefty. Lefty has come. Lefty killed him and went out. Now we despise these little, little things. Little people, little things. God says be very careful. When you go through these seasons, go through these seasons, be very, very careful. Joshua chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. They ate the produce of the land on the day after Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan. You know why? Because their forefathers, their fathers despised manna. The children did not. Because the children did not despise manna, they ate it without complaining for 40 years. They could eat the fruit of the land. God had kept another season for them. It was kept for both the father and the son. But only the son entered into the season because the father despised the small thing. The son did not. The son did not despise the small thing called manna. He took it without complaining. He didn't grumble. He did not complain. He took it and he was strong. And when the hour came, he entered into the promised land and his diet changed. His season changed. He could eat. Genesis 40 and verse 6. Joseph came into them in the morning and he looked at them and saw they were sad. You are the big boy. You are a young man. Imagine you are a young man. The Bible says very clearly young people should not be given positions of authority because it will get into their heads. But in this case, this is a young man who is an old man. In maturity is very old. Age is very young. So let us see, he was sent there at 17. At 20 he becomes, uh, uh, goes into prison. So he's now around 25, 26 years old or 27, 28 years old. Let us say he's 28 years old. Actually he's 20 years old. He's just a young man. And he's in charge of all the prisoners. And the two prisoners are there. Why should he care about them? Two prisoners. Instead, what is he saying? Why do you look sad? Why do you look sad? Because he noticed the expression of two people who were under him was his breakthrough. Because he noticed two people who were sad, one day that incident would bring him before the Pharaoh. Small people, small thing. And we miss out. That's why our ears have to be open, our eyes have to be open. We have to be open and say, Lord, show me. I don't miss my season. I may do something today, but what I do today is my investment for another season that is coming. And if I miss this little thing, I will miss my next season. I will miss my next season. 
This is how we have to be spiritually discerning, aware. Yet be patient. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6. First Peter chapter 5. Therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. God has his time. Like we said yesterday also, don't speed the hand of providence. Don't try to go ahead of God. God has his time. So wait under the hand. The hand of God may sound very hard sometimes. May look like prison conditions, but stay under it. Because God has a purpose. He will not, you will not stay there ever. This is for a purpose. Understand purpose and stay under it. In due season, a time is coming. God will exalt. Due season. Because all seasons change. And if a seasons are not changing in your life, you've been caught in the same season year after year after year after year after year. Go back to God and say, Lord, what do I need to change? There's something wrong with me. Nothing wrong with you. There's something which you're still waiting for me to change. That's why my seasons haven't changed. I'm stuck in the rut for so long because there is something about me that you're waiting to correct. And I'm not hearing it. I'm not seeing it or I am fighting it. Because in Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not. Meaning there are seasons. Seasons. There are seasons in one's life too. God says, don't miss your season. Be patient. In due time, God will lift you up. But if there is an issue, issue, go back to God, find out what it is, pray, fast, seek the face of God and say, show me, Lord, what is it? Lord, what is it? Look at Genesis 40 and verse 14. Don't try to go ahead of God. This is he telling the cupbearer. But remember me when it is well with you and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh. Get me out of this house. What is he trying to do? He is trying to go ahead of God. He's getting restless. He's now 28 years old. 28 years old and he's been Prisoner, slave for now, 11 years. And he got some opportunities. He says, when you go to Pharaoh's house, will you please put my name and recommend me and get me out? But what does the next verse say? The verse which I gave you next. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. God said, you are, you are my child. I have my time and a season for you. You are not going to get out of this place before my time. You are not going to get out before my time. You will be here until my time. So don't go ahead of God's time, yet be patient. Be patient in seasons. And during the seasons, learn everything that you have to learn. Then, coming to the eighth thing, please remember, time is just a temporary interruption in eternity. Always know the temporary nature of time. Meaning, it is a commodity that cannot be bought or sold. The only thing you can do with time is use it. If you don't use it, you will lose it. I'm buying time. You're not buying anything. You're losing time. Even when you're buying time, you're losing time. Nobody buys time. Nobody sells time. The only thing you can do with time is 
use it or lose it. So, when everybody is caught, let us use that word within quotes, with the tyranny of time. If you look at it, no, no, look at it. Tyranny of, we're all racing and we are all caught in time and I will tell you, things can change priorities in life in a second. If honestly, a genuine prophet, the only prophet to whom God speaks directly comes and tells here, January the 18th, the Lord is coming back. Your priorities in life will go out of the window. The only thing in your mind is get my life ready before he comes. Forgiveness, repentance, nothing will matter. Career plans, boyfriend, girlfriend, marriage, children, nothing will matter. Even the mother who holds the baby says, even if you are not coming, I am going. Though the baby will go. You know? How things will change in time? So we are caught in this tyranny of time. Now listen carefully. Everybody is racing time. You cannot fight time. You can only cooperate with it. Everybody knows you got only this much time. And the believer knows more than anybody else. You got only this much time. It will fix your eternity. You're not running for your salvation. You're running after your salvation. And the problem is this. Which is bad in the world. Which is good in the kingdom. Unless you see your head is there. Your feet is on earth. You will not see this. First Corinthians chapter 1, 26 to 28. For you see your calling. If you are not called, you are not saved. He chose us. We didn't choose. Okay? See your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Meaning if you are called, you are neither wise, you are neither mighty, neither noble. This is all the... Our resumes will mention this. But God will reject that resume if this is mentioned. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world. Not the fools, but the foolish things of the world. To put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world. To put to shame the things which are mighty. And base things of the world, the things which are despised God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. So, if you are honest... And you consider yourself in this category. This is what I am. Weak, foolish, despised, not mighty, weak, ignoble. This is what I am. How do you run the race in this world? How do you run the... At the end of the day, you are living in this world, right? Everybody is working in the world. Right? How do you run your race in this world? When actually your qualification disqualify for success in this world, how do you run this race? That is where... You have to understand what is that we have where we can change the seasons and the times to our favor. What is that we have that the world does not have? Matthew 20 verses 1 to 7. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. When he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. He went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Again, he went about the sixth and the ninth hour. Did Remember, Jesus said, 
a day has 12 hours. So different, different times the master is going. Ninth hour. Then in about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? Verse 7. They said, because no one hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. Whatever is right, you will receive. Think about it. First hour he goes, looks at the resume. Ah, this resume is really good. You go to work. Third hour he comes. Ah, this resume is also good. You go. Like that. Eleventh hour, nobody picked them up because resume is bad. These are the weak, the foolish, the despised things. Nobody hired you. You also go and work. What is interesting is that when it came for salary time, they also got the same salary. So what do you call that? It is called unmerited favor, which means grace. What do we have the world does not have? We have grace. We have favor. We have favor. Nothing in this world can beat the favor of God. So even as you learn all these lessons, don't neglect the biggest lesson. We have favor with God. We have the favor of God. So God is not asking you to do all these things in your own effort. He says, you know what? You have favor. You have my favor. Psalm 5 and verse 12. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor, you will surround him like a shield. Meaning everything that goes wrong in other people's life actually protects you. Anybody sold as a slave, hundreds and thousands and millions were sold as slaves in all these centuries, even during Joseph's time. The raiding parties go, they capture, they take, they sell. They come back, capture, they sell. So all kinds of slaves filled the Egyptian empire. But only one slave became prime minister. You know why? He had favor. He had favor. Okay? He had favor. So don't forget that. That favor will protect us against everything the devil is trying to destroy us. Genesis 39 verses 2 and 4. Look at the order. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. Why was he successful? Because the Lord was with him. God blesses the righteous. If you are righteous, you receive the gift of righteousness because you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean? The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Is the Lord with you? The Lord is with you. Let me give you a verse. Philippians. Chapter 4. Verse 4 and 5. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. How can a man lying in a dungeon write to the rest of the world, rejoice in the Lord always, unless he is rejoicing? He's not a hypocrite because this is the word of God. He's a genuine guy. Question is, how can he rejoice? You know why? Because the Lord is with him in the prison. That's what he means. The Lord is at hand. When he was taken to court, he says, the Lord is with me. You know why people don't rejoice? Because the Lord is not with you. Or you're not experiencing the Lord is with you, but you have blocked yourself. You're not experiencing his presence. That's what the Bible says. The Lord is with 
Joseph. I'm telling you, the first thing they noticed about Joseph was that he was probably singing while he was working. Then they noticed his work. The Lord is with him. That's what he's saying. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I said, let your gentleness. See, whatever you read in scripture here, you can put it into Joseph's life. He was gentle. He was rejoicing. And he was a hard worker. Like Paul was. And the Lord was with him. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. His master saw that the Lord was with him. How did he see? How did he see the Lord was with him? And that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his land. And verse 4, and Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. He had favor with God. So God gave him favor with his master. You know why he prospered? Because he had favor. You have all these other things, but if you don't have favor, you're going nowhere. You're going nowhere. You still need something which only God can give you. What is that? Favor. Remember, we are people of favor. We have favor with God because we are his children. Then verse 20 to 22. From there he's thrown into prison. Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison. A place where the king's prisoners were confined and he was there in prison. The Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. What does it mean? Does the prison warden know him? No. Accusation is he tried to molest the master's wife. He should get the beating of his life in prison and be thrown into the deepest part. But what did God do? God just touched that man's heart. The man looks at him. He doesn't know what's happening here. You know what? I like this guy. He doesn't even know why he likes that guy. He doesn't even know why he likes this guy. Because God has supernaturally intervened and touched his mind and his heart and said, you like that guy. And he doesn't even know why he likes that guy. You know what? He found favor. When you go for interviews, do you believe for favor? Lord, I am foolish. I am weak. I am foolish. Don't do drama and all ladies, okay? Just go like a child of God, okay? Just like properly dressed, okay? Properly dressed. Don't try to win an interview in your dressing. Just properly like a child of God, holy child of God. Otherwise you won't get favor. You'll get favor with the man, but no favor with God. We want favor with God and then favor with man. We don't want favor with man. Without favor with God, you are in a dangerous place. You're in a dangerous place. So be very careful. The order you have to see. It's the Lord who showed favor and cut us that man's heart. So what do we have? We go through seasons of life. We go through this time. You know what we have? <coughs> As God's children, we have favor. And favor will overrule everything else. Acts chapter 7, verse 10. <coughs> Delivered him out of all his troubles. Who is that? Joseph. Suddenly brought out of the prison. Those days they don't have a host, but in prisons that's how they bathe the prisoners. They host them down. Joseph is host down, shaved, given a clean garment, stands before the Pharaoh. And we look at what the Pharaoh said and all, but we don't know what was happening behind the scenes. God touched the Pharaoh's heart. 
and gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor of Egypt. Why did he make him governor? Who would pick a prisoner and suddenly make him governor? Who would pick a Hebrew and make him governor over Egyptian? Why did the Pharaoh do that? Because God touched his heart. God touched his heart. This is called favor. This is called favor. God's children, we are running a seasons. We have times. We are running a race. You know what we have? What the world does not have. We have favor. We have favor. Simply because we are his children. And because you are children, we work hard on all the other things. Because we are his children, therefore we know we are running a race which doesn't end here. The rewards are there. But we always know, you know what? I will have favor. I'm trusting God for favor. I'm weak. I'm not mighty. I'm despised in my class. I'm despised in my group. But you know what I have? I have something which they don't have. They have all the other things, but I have one thing they can never have. You know what? I have favor. Exodus 20, 36. Israel is leaving Egypt. They're all slaves. And Egypt is steeped in misery, sorrow, and anger. Everybody has lost everything. They have lost their sons. Their firstborn. If you know this fellow is responsible for the death of my son, all you want to do is take his head off, right? Look at what God did. The Lord had given people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. So they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. What did God do? I will tell you what happened. Typical Indian bhasha. Imagine you are a slave in an Egyptian house. What do you do? Jadu, poncha, kapda, bache ka palan karna, ye sab karte hai na, you are doing all the housework. And you see madam, madam is wearing this jewelry on Sunday, another one on Tuesday, and this one on Wednesday, madam is full of pearls and gold and silver, and so you know everything madam wears. And then it's time for you to leave. And madam says, go, go, go. And he says, what do you want? I want what you wore on Monday, I like that. I want what you wore on Tuesday, it fits me, and that, no? She said, take it. Take it, take it, take it. She's opening her treasury and giving all the bangles and necklaces and jewels to this girl. Why? Because God touched her heart, give it to her. That's what it means. Plundered. Poor fellows after 430 years are pulling cards full of treasures. Why? Because God gave favor. This is what it means. The wealth of the wicked is kept for the righteous. Why? Favor. Favor. Understand this. There is favor. You have to believe in favor. First Samuel chapter 2, 26. Pray, pray this over your children. We have little children over here. And child Samuel grew in stature, in favor, with both with the Lord and men. You need favor first with God. And then with man. He was growing. How? He found favor. And that's what we need. We need favor. Esther 2.15. A young Jewish girl. is picked up. No choice over it. She's good looking. Pick. Oh, those days it is terrible to be good looking. Unless you are looking up to go up the ladder and be part of the harem. You are good looking. You go to the harem. They pick you. Take you. She's picked. Hebrew girl. In a Babylonian harem. Among hundreds of young girls. All are pretty. All are good looking. You are not the only one. All are good looking. And the king will pick one. He will have all the others who want to be his queen. Nobody knows which one. Even the king doesn't know which one. 
So most of the times when these girls go to him, he's drunk. So he has no clue who is going to pick. Nobody has any clue. And this Hebrew girl goes over there. And what happens? When the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abiel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter to go to, into the king, she requested nothing but what Hegai, the um, king's eunuch, the custodian of the women, as advice. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. You have to understand, quote, so many people from where to where you go, you have to go through system after system after system. High-end people, they take you through. You know what? Everybody who saw, they had favor. She had favor with them. Everybody. Imagine if the king were to ask, for all the girls who came, which, which do you think is the prettiest? Everybody would have said, that girl called Esther. Why did God just touch their hearts? Is she really more beautiful than the others? I don't think so. We don't know. Let us say thousand of the best. How do you get to the top? Touch of God. Simple. Why? God wants her in that place because she will rescue my people when the plot is comes. So God has a plan over there. She's not picked just to be the queen. She's picked to save Israel. So understand. Don't forget the big picture. Purpose. Verse 17. King loved Esther more than all the other women and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her and made her queen instead of Basti. You know why she became queen? Because of favor. The favor of God. Learn how to get the favor of God so one day he can also crown us. 5-2. That's when Israel is in trouble in Babylon. So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favor in his sight and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter. Otherwise she would have died. She would have been removed, taken away and she would have never seen the king's face again. She needed favor because you cannot enter in the Babylonian king's presence without being called. She was breaking what we call protocol. You don't go without being called. And she broke it. And what happened? She received favor. So even when you break protocol, you want favor. How do you get favor? From God. So put God first in your life. Do all the other things. At the end of the day, lean on favor. Lord, I will have favor with you. And therefore with man. I am favored. Simply because I am your child. I will have favor. Believe in favor. And wait for favor. Wait for the appointed time. It will come. Then as we come to the conclusion, at the end of it all, don't forget the big picture. Our entire life on earth, please remember, is just like a moment in the light of eternity. Okay? So don't worry about days and weeks and years and seasons and times. Look at the big picture. Eternity and time cannot be compared. A day is coming when there is no night. Day is coming when there is no grief. In the twinkling of an eye, all this will be over. Revelation 21, 22 to 27. Revelation 21. Oh yeah, Daniel's also was there. Daniel found favor. They all found favor. But I saw no temple in it. 
for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. The nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. The kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. The gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night. We are coming. Life on earth for people who go through trauma, trials, tribulation seems like night without end. But we are going to a realm where it will be day without night. No night. No darkness. It's over. So don't be, forget the big picture. When you're going through tough seasons and tough times, remember a time and a season is coming where there is no night. It is only day. Only day. It's over. And not only that, look at that verse. Revelation 21 verse 4. And keep repeating that no more there. I love it. God will wipe away every tear from their eye. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. No more. No more. It's over. So whenever you go through time, whenever you go through seasons of life, don't forget the big picture. Don't forget the big picture. A day is coming where there is no night. And day where there is no tear, no death, no sorrow, no crying, no pain. And all the former things have passed away. Have passed away. And it will happen just like that. When it happens like that, you will forget everything that happened on earth. It will be forgotten. Suddenly it will happen in the twinkling of an eye, like it happened to Joseph. Look at Genesis 41, 14. The Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. 13 years are forgotten. It will go. He won't forget. He won't remember those 13 years anymore. Quickly it is forgotten. We will forget all our labors, all our sorrows, all our grief, everything. The twinkling of eye, it is over. Not only that, what will he say that day? Verses 41 to 43. Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Come, enter into your master's joy. Take charge. Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand, put it on Joseph's hand. He closed him in garments of fine linen, put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried out before him, bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. That's what God says about his children too. You overcome the way I overcame. You shall reign with me all of eternity. So the question is, what do you see in 2021? What do you see? Do you see opportunity? What do you see? Are you able to see with the eyes of God? Essicles of valley full of dry bones. God saw a vast army standing. What do you see? How do you see your life? Dry bones? Valley full of dry bones? Or do you see a soldier, an overcomer standing? What do you see? As you can say, valley full of dry bones. But what did God say? God saw a vast army standing up. When you look at yourself, your life, what do you see? Dry bones? Or an overcomer? What do you see? There are eyes that look and then there are eyes that see. Which are your eyes? Ishmaelite saw a slave to be sold, but God saw a king in the making. What do you see? 
Jesse saw a son fit only to be a shepherd. God saw a king in the making. That's what God is asking. What do you see? Because we all have been allotted only a certain portion of time. And he says, redeem the time. Redeem the time. And to redeem the time, you need to have a vision. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, people cast away restraint. They waste their time. That's why we've been given a vision every year. We've been given a vision for this year. This is it. So you don't waste your time. You know exactly, unlike so many people, you know exactly how to use your time. What is my time to be used in? I have a promise behind my back. What is that? Enlarging. Stretch myself. Stretch to the best I can. Because you know what? I have favor for that. This is the year of favor to stress, to enlarge. In every area where I am good at, I'm going to stretch and I'm going to learn new things too. I'm going to stretch myself this year. You know why? Because I have favor. I have a vision. God is saying, do you have a vision? Otherwise, 2021 will be like 2020. Don't let it be. Because a person without a vision is a person without direction. Do you know where you are going? And as I said in the beginning, as I close, there are two sets of people here. Those who will pass through 2021 and those who will possess it. It all depends upon how you use your time, redeem your time. Put God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Remember, above all, we are people with favor. We have the favor of God. Use that. Use that. Learn these fundamental principles. Only 17 days are over. Not even 17 days. 16 days and half a day. 16 and a half. In another 20 minutes, 16 days. And profitably use your time. Cut down your sleep. Honestly, that's how you redeem me. First thing, cut down your sleep. People are not sleeping. People are sleeping and wasting their time. Why do you need to sleep so much? What are you going to do with sleep in heaven where nobody sleeps? If the sun doesn't, there's no sun, it's always day. How are you going to sleep? You're going to draw shields. Lord, can I have a dark area in heaven because I'm used to sleeping. I slept so much. God says there are no dark areas here. And even if you want to shut your eyes, eyes don't close. What are you going to do? So why, why do you waste time on things which are not profitable? I'm not saying you shouldn't sleep. I'm saying you should rest. These are two different things. There are a lot of people who sleep, they don't rest. God gives his beloved rest. Ask God for rest. Lord, I may sleep only for four hours, but when I get up, I'm rested. I'm rested. Otherwise, you will sleep for 12 hours and you are not rested. Ask God. Because that's how you conserve time. You redeem time. Ask these things by faith. Lord, you know what? When I go to sleep, when I get up in the morning, I should be rested, Lord. I should be rested. Learn. Learn these things because the most important thing God has given to us in this life is a four-letter word called T-I-M-E, time. You can use it or lose it. You cannot buy it. You cannot sell it. You can only use it. The Bible says, use it profitably. For eternity. Don't use it for temporary things. Anything that comes into your life, see the big picture. How does it impact my eternity? How does it impact somebody's eternity? Lord, help me to use it. Amen? Shall we stand? Shall we pray?
Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. You're a merciful God. You're a kind God. You're a good God. Full of compassion and mercy towards your children. We do not have to fear like Esther. The king hasn't summoned me for 30 days. And you know the protocol of Babylon. No one can go to the king's presence. The sentence of death hanging over there. But the king of kings and the lord of lords has come boldly, confidently to the throne room of grace. Receive mercy for all the seasons you have missed. All the time you have wasted in the past. He says, receive mercy. And he will extend his scepter of righteousness and says, have favor. Grace, grace upon grace, I give it to my children. I was waiting for this hour. I was waiting for this moment when you would come to me. You think it is over. No, it is not over. It doesn't matter how old you are. Or how much time you have wasted. It does not matter. Come to me. I am the only one who can go into time and change things for you. Only one because I am outside time. I am the creator. I am not the created. I am outside time. I inhabit in eternity. I can go into time and turn your life around. For all things work together for the good of those who love Christ Jesus. And are called according to his purpose. God would go into time and turn around 13 years of slavery and make a shepherd boy into a prince. Only God could do it. Only God could do it. He could take all his grief and sorrow and tears and dark nights and take it into a blazing day. Quickly he was taken out of the dungeon and he stood before the Pharaoh and God touched the Pharaoh's heart and said, this is the man who will rule on your stead. On the throne of Egypt. Only God can do it. Believe. Believe 2021 Lord. I will run my race. I will pursue. I will overtake. And all that the enemy has stolen. Because of my negligence. And my wastage. My fault. I will blame no one. I will only blame myself for all that I have lost. But Lord. I have your word. I will pursue. I will overtake and I will recover all. In heaven, I will not end up as an uncrowned king. I will end up and you will crown me. You will crown me. I have a vision and I have a direction. And forgetting all that is behind, I press towards that things for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I have a vision. That is from heaven. And like Paul, I will stand before people and say, I have been true to that heavenly vision. I pray, Father, that it would be everyone's testimony. That it would be written about us too, as it was written about David. That we served our generation according to the will of God and fell asleep in Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I speak this over the young, the old, the babies in the womb, over everyone. That the favor of God would rest upon every person, Lord. We would have favor with God and favor with man. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit 
Rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen. So it's not just to, just not to Mary, the angel says, to every one of you, God says, you are highly favored. Because in you is the spirit of Christ. <laughs>